you you get the energy to do this from God, right? Like you have a mm -hmm. you have a yes. prayer life. You're, you're plugged yes. into yeah, the he's source the of you know the source of the uncreated light. Yeah, and yeah, he's then, the one. You can receive yeah. that and give it on to your family. Mm. Um, what about a guy who's not a Christian? Uh, what what? Because this I'm working every day with guys who aren't Christian. Yeah. Like yeah, like yeah. How do, yeah. how does he yeah. should he at, at all attempt this? Or would you say like, you know, just like, don't even try, dude, if you, if you don't have God in your life or what? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, God is with us even whether we realize it or not. He is just so much with us. David Ford, welcome very much. Or should I say Professor David Ford? <laughs> welcome oh, to you know, uh, Paul, like our podcast. Called, Paul, I like to be called Dr. David. That's how I'm called at the seminary, okay. St. Guns Orthodox Seminary, where I work. And uh, not only a term of endearment, but to differentiate me from my wife, who's another Dr. Ford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, David. So he's Dr. Mary and I'm Dr. David. <laughs> Dr. Mary, Dr. David. Yeah, great. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. a professor of church history at uh, St. Ticon's Theological Seminary. Actually, a seminary that me and my wife have been thinking, if I ever get the opportunity to go and spend like three years just really diving into theology, that's where we want to go. Uh, it looks like an amazing place. I've seen and read a lot about it, heard a lot about it. Um, yes. You yes. are the author of six books uh, and written a whole lot of papers, especially all around the life of a very, very central person in the Orthodox Christian faith, that is St. Yeah. John Chrysostom. Yes. Um, and uh, maybe, yeah, the, the experts of it that I found, at least uh, in the Orthodox world today, and uh, I was introduced very early on in my journey into the Orthodox faith, actually, because it, back in 2019, I was still yeah. a catechumen. Uh -huh. I visited uh, the St. John the Baptist Monastery in Essex, oh, and your long. wife has spent a lot of time, actually. Yes. Uh, yes and they have this beautiful them. bookshop there that's just full of, like, amazing treasures. It's, it's like this, like, really kind of Harry Potter library kind of uh, place you can really imagine. Um, yeah. And I found this book there, um, and, uh, the, which is Women and Men in the Early Church, The Vision of St. John Chrysostom. Um, and so my life story for the last seven years before that time had been that together with a group of friends, we had decided that I wanted to try and get to the problem of this challenge between men and women and how are we interacting today and how, why is it going so bad and everything like that. And our starting point when we started this at this time, I was a agnostic atheist, something or other, definitely, you know, looked at anywhere for wisdom than Christianity at least. So my, my basic approach was like, you know, anyway, but the old ways, we have to find something new that's going to work, of course, right? And <laughs> yeah. Then as I started that search, and I would say it was an honest search, and, and yeah, thank God sure. for that, because, because it actually led me then more and more to the conclusion, increasingly, the older the ways, the more they were working. Yeah. <laughs> they seemed to be working not so well. And so, yeah, yeah when I, I was a catechumen there at St. Essex, uh, at Essex, and I, I found your book, um, and it was really exciting to, to pick it up and realize like, okay, well here we really have someone who's dived into this topic and has tried to understand it. And so it really was, a for both me and it was my girlfriend at the time, today, my, my wife, uh, we, we both used that as a manual for trying to understand how to reorientate our lives, uh, which, wow. Uh, yeah. so, wow. so thank you very much for that. That was, uh, um, right. a great thing. So to start off this conversation, uh, Dr. Dr. Dave, 
Dr. Dave or Dr. David? Dr. David, yeah. Dr. Dr. David, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, let's just start with this thing um, that, you know, there's this idea from feminism that Christianity is all about oppression of women. It's a system of, you know, manipulation and domination. Uh, and, um, you know, the Bible talks about how I think Peter says, like, women are the weaker vessel. St. John Chrysostom talks about women as being inferior to men. Um, and isn't it just about the subjugation, unfair subjugation of, of women underneath men? Uh, what's your response to that? No, Paul, it's not, it's not that at all. At all. It, there's so much misunderstanding um, uh, of patriarchy, uh, of male headship. Of course, when it's not lived properly, when those who are given the greater responsibility do not fulfill that responsibility, then there's, you know, uh, then there's adverse effects and everyone suffers. But when it's done right, uh, hierarchy, you know, it's just embedded in every aspect of life. Uh, as Christians, we actually hearken to the Holy Trinity, where we have three persons who are absolutely equal in uh, their nature, their divine nature, yet they uh, are three hypostases, three persons, and they are in a certain order. You know, it's always Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't juggle those three terms. Uh, so there's, it's, it's a sublime blending, let's say, of order, of hierarchy, and equality. So when we come to male and female relationships, we have the absolute identity, sameness, equality of human nature, right? But mm -hmm. when we look at our bodies, we see, you know, anatomical differences. It's so completely obvious that uh, our Lord has designed us to have different functions. Now, of course, that doesn't mean there's not overlapping, you know, and, uh, and how male headship works out in each family. Uh, of course, uh, that's up to the couple to, uh, to work out. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there, there's just so much common sense about it. The man is usually taller, stronger, more deeply voiced, uh, you know. So in, in, in the household chores, right, it's just almost automatic. The men will do the heavier labor uh, mm -hmm. and so on. And, of course, with, with child uh, bearing and child raising that's that's when the, the the women just come into their glory you know and mm -hmm. and and the husband needs to be there uh mm -hmm. more than ever right assuming his responsibility uh we really say that with male headship in the family uh the heart of it is um uh taking uh bearing shouldering self-sacrificially the ultimate responsibility for uh, not only the material welfare of the family, but but the spiritual welfare as well. So you see, it's a great service uh, to to the women. And uh, Saint John Chrysostom ends up saying uh, uh, to the women, "You really have it easier, you know, because you don't have that ultimate uh, responsibility that uh, that uh, your husband is uh, is bearing." Okay. Uh, with, with well, God. yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into some of these things and trying to understand and, and for myself you know like what you're saying in some ways it's very simple and and clear and then there's also 
like a way that there's different levels. So, so I'm really looking forward to diving this and we, we have an hour, maybe even 90 minutes to go into uh, these questions, understand it, because I found like, you know, I, I get this idea, like, you know, patriarchy has been, our understanding of patriarchy has been twisted and male headship doesn't necessarily mean oppression. Actually, it's a prerequisite that it's, you know, the nature of reality is leading from love and compassion and care and, and including that which is good in our lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think before we dive into that, could you tell us a little bit about this guy, St. John Chrysostom? Because that's, I think, who you've based your life work on. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about who he was and, and what, what kind of a society he was living in? Yes, sure. He was born in Antioch. That's uh, his hometown, which is now in uh, southeastern Turkey. Um, he was uh, trained by Labanius, one of the greatest ancient rhetoricians uh, of the whole ancient world, a, a pagan rhetorician, um, developing his natural talent for oratory. Um, he, Labanius grieved mightily when when John decided he would not pursue the law or, uh, you know, service in the government uh, or, or teaching rhetoric to be his successor, uh, Labanius ends up saying that the Christians stole him away from me. <laughs> so uh, as a late teenager, yes, he, he, he returns to the faith that uh, his mother Anthusa brought him up in, the Christian faith, and dedicated all of his talents, all of his training to uh, the service of the church. Uh, he does live a few years as, uh, as a monastic where he has uh, tremendous, uh, uh, he devotes so much of his time to reading the scriptures. He become, becomes absolutely saturated in the scriptures. And uh, this ends up being the foundation for his eventually becoming one of the greatest uh, commentators on the holy scriptures uh, that the Eastern church has ever had. And uh, with his rhetorical skills, he ends up becoming really probably the greatest preacher that Christianity has ever seen. Mm -hmm. He uh, so as he lives uh, the monastic life, he uh, develops some health problems, stomach ailments. So this brings him back into the into the city. His mm -hmm. biographer just thanks God, you know, so much <laughs> that the Lord used uh, this this to bring him back, so he could serve the church. So he's made a mm -hmm. deacon in about the year 380. And mm -hmm. then about six years later, he's made a priest, ordained to the priesthood. And he's given the main preaching duties in the great church uh, in, in Antioch. And just to recall, you know, um, this is uh, late um, fourth century. Antioch is a tremendously powerful, important commercial city. Uh, they said uh, the, the, the Grand Boulevard was four miles long with columns on each side, you know. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a tremendously cosmopolitan city. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he has 12 years uh, preaching there, becoming tremendously beloved by the people. And then he is whisked away by imperial agents 400 miles overland up to over to Constantinople, which mm -hmm. is uh, now Istanbul. It was by then the the main capital of the uh, Roman Empire. Yeah. How long ago had had the Roman Empire been Christian at this point? Actually, was that uh, three eighty something? This is three ninety eight when he becomes patriarch of uh, or Archbishop mm -hmm. of Constantinople. 
the empire as a as as a whole was becoming christian uh there was a great boost of course with the conversion of emperor constantine the mm -hmm. great in the year 312 uh, yeah. his victory at the milvian bridge and then by 324 he has consolidated the empire once again east and west and um he has become a christian and he does much to uh uh to help the church in her recovery from the uh, years of uh, persecution that preceded his conversion yeah, yeah. okay yes so 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 mm -hmm. saint john chrysostom then comes to constantinople yes he has uh, he has six years of ministry there various forces conspire against him at first the empress evoxia uh is very favorable to him they uh, have long talks about the lord they uh, share in in uh, processions with relics and things like this mm -hmm. but he is such a straight shooter you know he, he has lived a life of asceticism mm -hmm. uh in antioch he brings that to constantinople the previous uh archbishop had been kind of lavish in giving entertainment to the uh, to other bishops to imperial officials uh and he didn't do that mm -hmm. he kept his austere way of austere way of life and uh and he preached against uh ostentation against luxury he said all those all that money you're spending on jewelry would be much better devoted to uh almsgiving you know to helping the poor and uh so eventually the empress does turn against him various bishops become jealous of his popularity Mm -hmm. and also they resent how he expects them to really do their work you know uh <laughs> he, he really uh he attacks corruption wherever he sees it he attacks laziness and uh and that rubs some people the wrong way and uh and then there is this uh, rivalry with the archbishop of uh, alexandria egypt uh named uh, theophilus one thing leads to another he gets uh, uh he actually gets called to constantinople to stand trial himself but he brings gifts and 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 29 bishops of his own and he's able to ingratiate himself with uh the empress and the the tables get turned and and an illegal trial is brought against saint john chrysostom it's just amazing amazing he is sent into exile then um at first with the first exile he's brought back very quickly because there's a shaking in the imperial bedroom maybe an earthquake but the way it's specified as in the bedroom it may well have been a miscarriage that the empress uh, uh endured she calls him right back she knows you know god is not pleased with her sending him into exile but about a year later uh he is sent to into exile again again in um, the summer of the year 404 uh not to return alive he uh he dies after three years in exile he dies on the way on a forced march to a greater uh to a more isolated uh position uh or, or uh, situation of exile but in those three years he's able to write something like 235 letters that come down to us and 17 of them were written to his his confidant really i think we can say his soulmate the deaconess saint olympia what a treasure those 17 letters are i had the amazing blessing of, of translating them 
bringing them forth uh, in, in mm -hmm. modern translation. And mm -hmm. we just see his heart for a uh, for, for this precious uh, deaconess, about 13 years younger than he. He was her uh, spiritual father. He was also the spiritual father of the monastery for, for nuns, for women that uh that saint olympius was the uh, abbess of that was right next to the uh great church in constantinople she would mm -hmm. serve him his meals especially with his stomach ailments uh and that was one of the outrageous charges brought against him oh he he has meals with with women you know and uh and so uh imagining the worst there uh but of course uh uh, nothing uh, untoward ever happened. They had uh, a pristine relationship, but it's, it's just wonderful to me that he had that feminine input, you know, even though he was never married. Uh, sometimes people wonder, how did he have so much wisdom talking about married to married people and, uh, and understanding psychology of male and female? He had this wonderful input from the Deaconess Olympia. And, and I think he learned from the married people in his flock too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So I mean, what I want to go into now is you you've used the word a couple of times, male headship. Uh mm -hmm. and, and so headship implies, as we've said, hierarchy. And yes. I think this historical story you've just told us now, it it just it it's a really good example of the intricate nature of hierarchy and how <laughs> there's a divine hierarchy and then there's an earthly hierarchy. And, yes. and, and how, you know, in the Orthodox Church, this is one of the things that I've really valued is how, you know, there's actually two hierarchies in the Orthodox Church as well. There's like this formal, official, earthly hierarchy with the bishops and the, the metropolitans yeah. and, the and stuff like that, which is the earthly one that we create and we use. And then yeah. we also have the saints <laughs> and, and the uh. saints are sometimes the lowest of the low, right? But <laughs> in some ways, that's really a, a spiritual hierarchy. And those are the ones we really look for. And and sometimes these aren't aligned with each other as well, right? Um, so I don't know. And, and I kind of see this playing out in my own family as well. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes okay. I, I can really see. Yeah. But, okay. but so, yeah. So, that, yeah. Male headship. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, Paul, could I uh, read a bit from my from the book that you have referenced already? Yeah. 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 On I'll, this theme. I'll, I'll follow along here. <laughs> On this theme. Yeah. Yeah. This is page 115, yeah. uh, chapter 7. The relationship of the sexes in the family. And my first subheading here is addressed to husbands. Make your rule glorious! Exclamation <laughs> mark. So I say, it's evident from all that has been said that male headship in marriage does not imply for St. John Chrysostom any form of domineering or demeaning of the wife by the husband. Far from it. Now let's remember, this is uh, late uh, Roman Empire, uh, late fourth century. We have the typical pattern of the pater familias, right? The uh, the uh, patriarch of the family. And yes, indeed, sometimes that was pretty oppressive for the rest of, of those in the family. He, he could rule with an iron fist. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, legally, you know, he had virtually... Can, can you uh, give an example of what kind of thing, what was happening at that time in that society, maybe for people who aren't aware of what pater familia and yeah. what were the practices of the Roman Empire? Yeah, uh, legally, he really had virtually uh, absolute authority over mm -hmm. his wife. Uh, often the wife was much younger. Arranged marriages also come into play, right? And uh, so that's important to remember, too. The husband 
needs to learn how to love his his wife. He may not well be, he may well not be head over heels in love with her. Uh, mm -hmm. He may not even know her much at all before they get married. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, he has this legal authority, uh, almost as if the wife is his property, and you know, and and the children as well. He mm -hmm. could have a baby killed if uh, if it's not a, a boy, or if it's uh, disfigured or something like that. So uh, yeah, the women could uh, uh, just just had far fewer rights legally than than men did in the, in that society. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's. Uh, uh, St. John says, rather, this authority, this male headship is grounded in and authenticated by, indeed, earned by the husband's virtue. Make then your rule glorious, he says, and glorious it will be when the subject of it, your wife, meets with no dishonor from you. And then I say a husband's authority must flow from the loving service which he gives to his family, it must not derive from, from an appeal to the fact of his position of leadership. Chrysostom addresses the husbands, and I love how direct he is. We are placed to rule over them, not merely that we may rule, but that we may rule in virtue also. For the one who rules ought especially to rule in this respect by excelling in virtue. And of course, the highest virtue is love, right? Mm -hmm. But if he is surpassed, He's no longer ruler. He also tells husbands, you have then this authority from necessity. It's just because you're, you happen to be born a male. Don't take any pride out of that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, this is, this authority flows from nature. Um, not, yes, just from being made male. So maintain, he says, also the bond which proceeds from love. And one major aspect of of the virtue that uh, husbands are called to is the art of governing oneself. Reason over our passions, our soul governing our body, right? Uh, he says, true rulers are those who bear rule over themselves. So there are, for there are these four things, soul, family, city, and world. And these things form a regular progression. He, therefore, who is to superintend a family and order it well. So order is just so important in our life. Um, so there's not chaos, right? Must first bring his own soul into order. And I love the Greek word here, Paul. It's rhythmizing. We get our word rhythm. <laughs> he said, bring your life into rhythm, into proper order with your soul. See, your reason governing your passions. Uh, so is that almost a musical term, would you say, then? Yeah, it's almost musical. Yeah, musical. It mm -hmm. really is. There's harmony here, you know? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a dance. And and, mm -hmm. and we could sure say that with, with uh, husbands and their wives, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the rhythm of their of their mutual relationship, the dance, it, it's so beautiful. Make, says, you, can I yeah. stop you there and just ask? No, so, of course, I've, sure. I've tried this with my wife, you know? like So we're yeah. both familiar with these texts and these scriptures, and sometimes oh, yeah. we, we have disagreements about things of course, and of course it's all part of it right both of us have been living in you know a society which has a very very different approach a lot of the time yeah. so so, yeah, so you know, this is something that i think i think all people struggle with um, oh, yeah. it is. and so i've i've noticed that bringing up with my wife you know like oh you need to be a submissive wife it oh, just doesn't work <laughs> it does not work no we um, never never appeal to our our uh 
<laughs> I'm mail this as as the the basis of leadership. Yeah. Um, so, what is the step to take for a man? Uh, I I think that for me, there's something about patience because yes. like yeah, virtue is one thing, but like it's like sometimes it's like when you know how long does one have patience to like how long can you wait for the because it doesn't always give a payoff straight away, right? That's and right. Some things, sometimes That's right. things can get worse before they get better. Um, what yeah. what would you say? Yeah. yeah. No, you know, patience is, is tremendous. Um, what you know, you, <laughs> uh, if things do really get rough, um, I, I just had an insight not too long ago. Just look at your wife and imagine how she will be in heaven. How will she be in heaven? All those rough edges will be totally smoothed away, she'll be polished, gleaming, you know, and you will too, right. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and that also gets us, uh, that reminds us of uh, the Orthodox understanding of marriage as meant to be eternal. Say, we are building something for eternity when we're uh, working on a relationship with our wife. So um, that should um, give us great uh, encouragement as, as, we, uh, as we're patient with and, and and she's got to be patient with us too, right? We've all got our rough edges. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that, it just reminds me of this, like, just this massive shift from a secular understanding of marriage oh. as a legal arrangement oh. to create yeah. two productive <laughs> members of society that are legally yeah. bound uh, yeah. and able to get, you know, some kind of benefits from each other right now in tax breaks or whatever it is, right? And like, and then oh. the distance from that to, oh like creating an eternal sense of beauty a bond that that's like yeah. you know crosses the yeah the very mysteries of existence right yes <laughs> it's, yes. it's so hard to bridge that gap you know when yeah. some people don't get that then yeah. oh, it, yeah. Yeah. it takes time to grow into that vision you know and, <laughs> and, but the more we do the more it expands even because it's endless it's endless it, the vision is so grand yeah oh my could I could I share another amazing passage? Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Talking talking about bearing each other's burdens. Okay, mm -hmm. listen to what Saint John says. He's, he this is in his famous uh, homily twenty on Ephesians Ephesians five, mm -hmm. which is the uh, passage that's read at every Orthodox wedding service. Mm -hmm. Wives be subject to your husbands is part of that passage. Uh, so St. John says, yes, you've heard that line from verse 24. Wives, be subject to your husbands as unto the Lord. St. John says, so now you husbands, hear the measure of love on your part that's required. Do you want to have your wife obedient to you as the church is to Christ? Then take yourself the same provident care for her as Christ takes for his church yes he says even if he and of course we remember how christ died right to give life to his church so saint john says even if it even if it becomes necessary for you to give your life for your wife yes and to be cut into pieces ten thousand times yes and to endure and undergo any suffering whatever do not refuse it in the same way then as God brought to himself her who turned her back on him 
he's talking now about Israel in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, you know, who so often uh, abandoned him and started worshiping false gods, who hated and spurned and disdained him. God, uh, the Lord uh, woos her back, not by menaces or by violence or by terror or anything like that, but what? By his unwearied affection. And we have really the, the, the most famous uh, chapter probably on this in the Old Testament is Hosea 2. Uh, when Hosea uh, uh, is actually commanded by the Lord to have two children uh, from a prostitute as kind of exemplifying Israel's uh, abandonment of him. And then he pursues uh, the uh, wayward wife into the wilderness to woo her back, forgiving her all her misdeeds because of his overflowing love for her. So uh, this, this phrase, willing to be cut in pieces 10,000 times, uh, I used to think, you know, that was kind of a typical exaggeration. <laughs> but when you're really trying in your marriage to smooth the rough edges, um, there can be uh, moments of, of really getting hurt. Your wife has a sharp word for you. Instead of, you know, kind of recoiling or resenting, or having my manly pride get hurt, uh, I've learned this was not easy at first at all. And still it's not always easy, but I've learned to be grateful for those hard words because no one knows us better than our wife, right? And above all, they want us to be all we can be uh, as human beings, uh, as men. And so, you know, so they can be more proud of us as, as mm -hmm. being there, uh, you know, mm -hmm. serving us as their husband. Um, so how, how does this work? Because there's also an aspect whereby, where like the, the Orthodox Church has, as is well known, only male priests, mm -hmm. and 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 this male headship role. Yes, it seems to indicate that the man has a more, could I quote, a sharply honed ability of discernment, or at least the responsibility for. The overall spiritual direction of the family as yes. units and also for the wife's salvation actually yes yes and, absolutely and mm -hmm. the woman's responsibility it seems like i i feel as well like women are more sensitive and sometimes more attentive to specific yes. details and certainly in seeing yes. my faults i also see that as well in, but sorry in what certainly in, in seeing my shortcomings i think yeah, my okay, wife yeah. is definitely yeah. better than i, than I am yeah. obviously they see um, us my, it's amazing their insight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, why is it that yeah. men have this? Why, why, why the male priestly role? Yeah. What, what is well, it? Well, it's, it's, it's in there? Right. Yeah. It's fatherhood. God is father. He's not mother. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, uh, he, he provides the oversight, the organization. You know, uh, taking the responsibility, uh, kind of an administrative gift, maybe, uh, so to speak. Um, Whereas uh, the, the the wife uh, bearing the, the children, nursing, um, it's 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 just a one on one intimacy there, that uh, that's that's different. It's it's complementary, of course, uh, but but it's the fatherhood. You know why why is the priest always a male? Because uh, a female can't be can't be a father uh, to the flock, uh, and bearing that ultimate responsibility before God that every soul in 
the care of the priest that that priest will be uh, ultimately accountable for. So, so again, that's a, that's an awesome responsibility that the women are spared of. They mm-hmm. don't have to uh, to to have that responsibility, that burden. Yeah. They're, they're so spared. The way I see it kind of happening, and and you know, I'm living in Denmark, and uh, uh-huh. what I see is like when men don't take responsibility, oh. then the women do. Yeah, that's um, right. It's a vacuum. <laughs> it's like a power vacuum, right? Yeah, someone has to. Yeah, someone, someone has, has to step to. in. Yeah. yeah yeah and and the yeah. the idea of like oh we let's all just be equal and flat oh it's just like no. that's not the way reality plays itself out right so, exactly uh, right if, if, so if, what's if, what's is is the is the example of the empress that you told us is that is yes. that an example of what happens <laughs> oh, oh being unfair like oh, that's should should, should women not be empresses and queens and as the sole leader of, of, a, of a nation state and an empire well well, she was married to the emperor, but in this okay. Arcadius, yes, he was. He was not ruling on her own. But you, mm-hmm. but why we mention her is because she happened to be the stronger of the two in terms of their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a manual. Really, something's out of something's out of kilter there. Uh, yeah, but of course it's a fallen world, and you know the ideals are not always uh, lived up to. Um, but but she was able to influence her husband. I'm sure he was much more reluctant to send Chrysostom into exile, but he went along with his wife, which is sad to say. And and they both died young. Uh, the, uh, St. John Chrysostom's biographers predicted uh, all these people who are these people who are uh, treating uh, uh, St. John so uh, miserably, dismally, they will die. Uh, miserable deaths themselves and both of them did die young so something was out of kilter there yeah 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 okay so how how far would you would you take this um if we look at you know kind of more modern politics there's been several you know very important female leaders on on the international stage do you at all relate this to modern politics and margaret thatcher or right now denmark we have both a queen and a female prime minister the queen is related actually to the russian czar family there was queen dauma who was a direct uh, descendant of the present danish queen i think the danish queen is fantastic she's amazing she's the best thing in the whole yeah no yeah yeah, no uh there there this 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 can this can um happen as well we've had we, there have been wonderful empresses uh yeah. in the history of uh, the orthodox church uh saint Pulcheria comes to mind her name means beautiful mm-hmm. uh she was the one who basically called the fourth ecumenical council mm-hmm. um so but th- these are kind of exceptions to the general pattern but that's another wonderful thing about orthodoxy there's a there's a fluidity you know there's a flexibility yeah. um everyone there's such a uh, an acknowledgement a recognition that everyone ha- is so unique mm-hmm. um you know we have our own precious unique uh strengths as well as weaknesses and mm-hmm. uh so there can be exceptions to general patterns but yeah. that doesn't nullify you know the general patterns the general pattern yeah i mean the one yeah. way I, i've been looking at it you know especially if you look at an individual couple then mm-hmm. you know you meet men who have very a very strong and even a good feminine side or very compassionate and very caring and you that's, meet women who fun. have yeah. been you know very tomboyish and, and yeah. are very powerful and direct and, yeah. and and so often a couple will fit well together with a kind of you know one called a reverse polarity or something like that 
And yeah. so the way I see it is like, if I want to, if I have a man and I want to help that man to become the best possible man he can be, yes. I'm going to try and strengthen his masculinity. Yes. But at yeah. the same time, like, you know, like I'm not going to look down on a man who has, who, 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 you know, happens to be, you know, you know, and has, has a strong feminine side and, and is sure. able to create yeah. value in the world through that as well. And even has found a relationship where he fits together with another human being in that way. Does that, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, Paul. And, and I would just say, you know, kind of uh, uh, encouraging each one of us to just be ourselves, you know, to stand before the Lord and, and ask him to uh, touch us in the deepest part of our being. And, and through this, we will understand who we're meant to be. Uh, not to put on airs, you know, not to try to fit ourselves into a preconceived mold, um, but just kind of to be your, you know, be ourselves, who we were made to be. He wants us to flourish in our uniqueness. You know, he's the one who gave us our uniqueness. He wants that to blossom. Yeah. 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 But this is so, I think it's so difficult to communicate because on the one hand, we're saying, you know, like reality is patriarchal. Yeah. <laughs> this is the way things lay about. You're the man, so you have to be taking leadership in your family. And at the same time, where we, we recognize like as things move more towards god all of these differences disappear and and actually like you know in christ like there is i think i read you in your book as well it says like there is no male headship in heaven like you know then 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 men and women are are completely equal yeah uh, yeah yeah in, in the heavenly realm yes in the yes realm, yeah. yeah so you know i think one of the great keys to me is when the husband cherishes his wife you know, as a princess, let's say, even tie into that chivalry, you know, uh, all, all the good that's there. If he mm -hmm. cherishes his wife as a princess, she mm -hmm. will respond and, and rejoice in his care. It, it's just so automatic. Yeah. Uh, I feel safe in your arms. You know, this kind of thing the wife will be saying, and I'll be grateful for your leadership. Yeah. Yeah. With, without you even saying a word about male headship. It, it's just what do you a, mean by cherish? What, what, what's in that word cherish? It's not, know, we don't use it that much anymore, do we? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was that song back in the 60s. <laughs> cherish is the word. Yeah, I wish we would use it more. Uh, I think it means to um, uh, behold her beauty in, inward and outward, to uh, appreciate that, uh, to... Um, to, to, to just yearn to fill her with, with your love because you respect her so much as a uh, uh, as an amazing uh, uh, creation of, of our Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, he's yeah. the one who designed her. He's the one who, of all the women in the world, he he's the one who has brought her to you. I mean, mm -hmm. that in itself we can get so mystical about, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and every piece of the puzzle that ended up bringing this one woman into my life to be my partner forever i mean it's just so awesome so awesome yeah <laughs> that's so, great hearing that's you talking about it. <laughs> one of the I, so i listened to your interview with uh dave domazowski from yeah. uh, dad devotionals yeah, uh, yeah and it was a great podcast he's I, it's a great podcast that i've listened to a couple of episodes now and really oh, appreciated God. it um but uh he asked you a question. He said, if there's one thing that you could have done in your marriage that you could have done better, mm. uh, what would it be? And, and you said, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't have let my kids disrespect my wife 
ever at all yeah. not at all uh, and, and that really hit me actually as well because we have a two-year-old at the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's testing boundaries yeah I've noticed I've noticed how I let let it slide sometimes yeah. I, I I let him you know kind of like she says like Emmanuel do this and he's like nope <laughs> and 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 then and and then and she says Emmanuel please please do this now and he's not and then he and, and then he makes a joke and he looks at me and he smiles or something like that. Hey, right? he looks uh, and so he's looking for yeah. And, yeah. and and so just like since I listened to that like two days ago, I've really mm. been noticing how I can cherish her yes. and my son actually as well, because yes. allowing him to disrespect his mother, mm. it's such a bad pattern and the scary yeah. thing is he's probably getting it from me you know that's the most well, <laughs> um, hopefully not yeah. too much i think he also sees yeah. other kids and whatever right and yeah you know, yeah he's just testing out boundaries but yeah. but yeah, they need the I, boundaries so much yeah yeah exactly so so that's yeah. and i just see how much it's so clear it's my role because mm -hmm. she she can't do it it's it's not that's her cool. role to really give those like that is an unacceptable way of talking to your mother, young man. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, that, that's just not the way yeah. we do things in this family. Exactly. Exactly. With great finality on that. So yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. And that is a way of cherishing our wife, uh, cherishing uh, her, uh, her, her needs, right? Her desires when she's asking, even just, you know, for help <laughs> with things around the house uh, to, uh, to fix that light bulb right away. You know, change it. Don't just wait for it to, uh, uh, for time to pass and then you finally get around to it. Honoring her requests right away. Uh, listening, listening to make sure you've got it straight, what she's asking, what she's hoping for. Uh, that's all part of cherishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, there's two different directions I want to take this right now. So I'm going to start with the one and then I'll, I hope I get back to the other one. All right. Um, but, but so there's a, a book in the field of men's work that I've been working in for a long time. Yes. Uh, it's by a guy called Dr. Robert Glover. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, and what he describes as a tendency, which I think is very widespread in our society at the moment, is yes. for it's not the the nice guy in the way that you're describing it, but it's a manipulative tendency to pretend to do everything according to the way that other people want and especially in a in a marriage relationship but it's actually a way of not showing up because it's there's a harboring of of kind of like expectation for payback uh and a um uh it's like kind of like a way of manipulating other people and really oh. just it's driven by pride of trying to up, uphold an image of oneself as <laughs> as like, I'm a really nice guy, I do everything for my wife, and oh therefore my she needs to be nice back to me kind of thing, oh right? Oh my, yeah, no. Yeah. Anything that smacks of manipulation is not from God. It's it's not healthy, it's not good for anybody. And, and that's yeah. definitely not being ourselves. You know, we're not made to be manipulators, my goodness. We're made to be real. It's, it's one of the greatest things most wives, I think, really desire in a husband is someone uh, to share deepest, uh thoughts with deepest feelings deepest desires longings hopes dreams sharing at such a profound level you know with with openness with with nothing artificial nothing artificial so dr david where you you get the energy to do this from 
God, right? Like you have a mm -hmm. you have a yes. prayer life. You're, you're plugged yes. into yeah, the he's source the of you know the source of the uncreated lights. Yeah, and yeah, you can he's then, the one. You can receive yeah. that and give it on to your family. Mm. Um, what about a guy who's not a Christian? Uh, what what? Because this I'm working every day with guys who aren't Christian. Yeah. Like yeah, like yeah. How do, yeah. how does he yeah. should he at, at all attempt this? Or would you say like you know just like don't even try, dude, if you, <laughs> if you don't have God in your life or what? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, God is with us, even whether we realize it or not. He is just so much with us and, and, and overflowing with so much love for every one of us, whether we realize it or not. You know, and anything that's good. I love Philippians 4, 8. St. Paul, whatever, thing, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You see, whatever anybody does that's good, God is there. See? Mm -hmm. So the more we do good, the more we uh, serve our wives, uh, pay attention to, to their needs, fulfill that role of uh, bearing the greatest responsibility, we, that will bring us closer to God, whether we realize it or not. Because mm -hmm. he is there wherever anything is good or true. He's yeah. there. Yeah. And, and but, then, but, yeah. would you agree with me that it's still important to just be aware of the underlying spirit with what you're doing as well? Because, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, it's like mm -hmm. things should be done in joy and with an yeah. understanding of like that, yeah. you know, I'm doing this because of love and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and yeah. also being honest when like, you know, I'm angry and upset, I'm irritated, yes. I'm frustrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and for myself, it's like, I need a good male friend to talk about those things with sure. often to yeah, and work through them <laughs> and yeah. to see how I can grow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's okay. mighty important too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the other, the other, the other direct that I, direction thing that I wanted to take this into was in this case of setting boundaries for my son, uh -huh. there was a time when again, he was, he, he, he was like, he, uh, his mom said, time to change your nappy. He was, no. <laughs> and then he, and, and he, and I said to him, hey, listen to your mom. She said, change your nappy. And then yes. he, he says, no. And he runs away again. Mm. And so I, I run after him. I grab hold of him and I can feel like there's this resistance in him. And, mm. and I, what I realize is like, he's two years old now. I can still kind of wow. like bring him in and say like, okay, hey, you need to submit to my authority. I'm your dad. Exactly. But, there's like, I'm right there on the edge where I'm, I, I don't, I, I like the final tool. And let me just say openly, like when I, as I grew up, my, my parents gave me hidings. Uh, they did it in mm -hmm. a loving and caring way as well. Yeah. But in Denmark, yeah. it's seen as like, you know, a, it's like, it's basically akin to murder to, to yeah. spank a yeah. child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if he went to like school and said like, oh yeah, my mom and dad spanked me, we would have social services visiting us in our home yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's. What are the tools that a father uses when he gets to the end of, you know, just speaking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the firm uh, voice, the hard look, you know, eye to eye and, and holding the shoulders, maybe, you know, look at me, son, in my eyes, I'm holding your shoulders. Do what's right. You must do what I'm telling you for your good, for your mama's good, for my good, for the for uh the peace and and harmony and harmony in our home mm -hmm. and uh and the more we um uh move in that direction with our kids no matter how young they are it will uh, uh it'll pay off in the end 
you know, we won't because the more we let things slide early, things will get more and more difficult to bring them back into order later. So it's important to do it from the start. Yeah. yeah. Gently, okay. but firmly. Yeah. Both. Okay. So you would also say, uh, for example, a spanking, uh, that that's not something that you've, uh, you have, no. you have, you have yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. We never spanked our daughter. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Not necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no. a book called parenting towards the kingdom, which, um, I, I think is, uh, also, yeah, just a fantastic guide about how, and a lot of it's about like just being with your child in their struggle. I yes. Guess. Yes. We're uh, familiar with that book. We, we love, uh, the author, uh, Philip Mamalakis. He's, he's, yeah. uh, a, a dear friend of ours actually. Huh. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's a great resource. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. So I want to dive into something else that you mentioned one of the quotes, which was this thing about that you start with your own soul and bring order yes. into it and find the rhythm, the, the order yeah. or rhythm of it. And then from there, you can learn how to be uh, establishing order in your family and from there to the society or to your city, I think it was, and, and then to the world basically as well, right? Yes. So yes. Can you say a bit more? about about that um and and what maybe so what have you found of like the most important aspects of that as well i think prayer has been a, a has been a huge thing um there's there's just a certain order you know when we have a, a regular prayer life it doesn't have to be very long but uh, just that constant uh orient, orientating ourselves toward towards the source of our being our creator our savior um and um asking for his help really to uh yeah to 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 help with, with the purity of our thought life as well as all of our actions and and with a fortitude you know to do what's right even if it hurts uh and that's where i think true manliness comes in as well mm -hmm. um doing the right thing no matter if it hurts mm -hmm. no matter yeah. if it's hard yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have, so in Manifesto, we have what we call the 10 principles, and we're really doing a review of them right now, and we've just been through the first principle, number one, which we call it know thyself. Uh, yeah, and, you know, there you we're go. Trying to, we're trying to address yeah. a broader audience than just Christians, really. Sure, that's um, great. But, but, so but it, it's really, it, you know, you again, in that last interview I heard you having with Dave, you said this quote, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and there's, there's so something about like that, like some you know, th there's a really fundamental mystery to existence that everybody can do this. You know, you don't need to be a Christian card carrier. You know, I believe in <laughs> Jesus. It helps to have yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. right. But like, but, but I think every man, if he wants to lead in his life, order his own soul, yes. become clear about who he is as a human being, he needs go. to do this, you know, and even if he, yeah. does, he has a hard time using the word God, uh yeah. just be it's still okay. and know yeah there's you something know. greater yeah <laughs> right there's something greater and to be awestruck about i love that you know stand in awe and sin not stand mm. in awe you know uh the, the saint Ephraim the syrian said the highest form of prayer is to stand in awe before god mm -hmm. the awesomeness of creation in itself is so grand and glorious right and how much more the creator of it all. Yeah, oh my. <laughs> to be connected with our creator. It's like being, it's like, you know, face to face with the, the, the writer of the manual, the, the, the owner's manual of how to live. You know? <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Yeah. 
Great. It's almost like I can I can sense how how lucky you feel you are to have discovered oh, so, <laughs> the sequence so of existence. So blessed. So blessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're going the wrong way, you hit rock bottom and uh and uh, you call out to the Lord, he rescues you. I mean, you you appreciate um uh, everything he is uh that much more, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, and, and, and all the great blessings he gives. Yeah. Can I get you maybe to maybe if you can finish up there actually that would be great to, if, if would you be up for telling where you you know how how you came to this experience this realization what what made it real for you because i don't know about you i grew up in a christian home and i, mm -hmm. I kind of went through the roads um but it, it it was i think there was also a kind of materialism in the church that i was a member of as well as it was influenced by the culture and the, there was a secular mm -hmm. kind of understanding and so I kind of mm. got it. I realized that there was something good here, and I tried to be a good person, but I just didn't have the strength in myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I got mm. pulled away. And the more I got pulled away, I rationalized. You know, I studied a scientific education at university, and I found like, oh yeah, all that God stuff. Oh, that's just like weird and doesn't make sense. It's old fashioned or something like that. And then <laughs> oh, it was only when I, yeah. you know, just in my late thirties that suddenly, like, you know, things broke down. Like, kind of God broke in again, mm. and everything just mm -hmm. made sense. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was I was raised kind of in a nominal uh, Presbyterian church and um basically it was it was like a, a nice story, you know. But I didn't really see people's lives changed. Um and uh the Lord had mercy on me. He uh, he led me to a book called Hang Loose with Jesus. This is back in the 70s. And the joy of that book, Francis Gardner Hunter, just that joy that she conveyed in that book, just went right to my heart, you know, right to my heart. And suddenly he was real, you know. <laughs> and I and Paul, at the same moment, I realized, wow, I don't have to try to be good to do the right thing in my own strength. God is there to give me that strength to do what's good and right and true. Yeah. Oh, it my life. Right on my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, like for me, I think the big barrier when, when I actually started getting honest with myself was like, oh, if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to do this and this, and I'm going to have to stop doing this and this. And mm -hmm. and then I was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. That sounds too difficult. And like, do I? You know, it's like, ah, oh, can I? And and what became clear was exactly this. It's like, no, that that was the wrong <laughs> understanding. It's actually it's about letting go of trying to do stuff. Exactly. And, and allowing yourself to be led uh it's about you know just like following the nature of reality instead of trying to force yourself into a specific oh, way yeah. of being uh and, and yeah. yeah that's that's exactly it exactly yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah that, but that's beautiful to hear that book maybe i can i remembered one last thing as well that i i, I okay. thought was really interesting was you you yeah. you mentioned that your own conversion was through really like um studying the the history of the church whereas mm -hmm. your wife it was more like the feelings that she experienced through worship as yeah. well. uh yeah. so that um yeah. yeah but it's interesting to hear like i was also the you just right now said like the joy from that book as well yeah, um, yeah. i guess that's what was orthodoxy was really then looking at the, the that, that, yeah. That uh, well. yeah. See, seeing the story of the early church the martyrs especially talk about manliness uh and women women too with amazing tremendous courage but again yeah. not in their own strength you know yeah. god's grace 
giving them uh, the joy, even in the midst of such suffering. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the God is so real. And in, in those martyrdoms, uh, people saw it. People were astonished, first of all, that these people would willingly go to their deaths for what they believed, you know. And then so often that to see the miracles, you know, uh, where, the, where, where the lion would even just turn away, you know, <laughs> because of the holiness of the, of, the, of the one willing to die for Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, okay. so much. So much there. <laughs> Dr. David, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> and uh, oh, certainly I can just, uh, even on the transatlantic connection here oh. on Google Meet, then uh, I'm really appreciating just the the, the sense of of um, of integration that 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 I, that I can hear you've received from the grace of God. Uh, yeah. uh, yes. And and I, I'm having tasted it for myself as well. It's it's it's, uh -huh. it's beautiful to know. It's real. Uh, yeah, so, so real. Yeah. So, so real. thank you for yeah. thank you for sharing that.